Our scripture reading this morning is from Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. I so appreciate this time of worship that we've been able to share together. Appreciate those guys who have been leading us in our worship. And I appreciate you. Appreciate this church family here at Seven Oaks. This is a great family to be a part of. We're going to spend some time in Galatians, the fifth chapter. If you have your Bible and you'd like to follow along. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be studying together in verses 22 and 23. Galatians chapter 5, if you have your copy of God's Word, I'd love for you to get it out, love for you to follow along with me in verses 22 and 23. Has anyone ever seen the movie, The Princess Bride? It's a pretty crazy movie. There are some pretty crazy things that happen throughout the movie. One of the main characters named Vicini, anytime something outlandish or outrageous happens, he cries out one word, inconceivable, inconceivable. That's the word that he keeps repeating. Well, there's one occasion where Dread Pirate Roberts is climbing up a cliff. If you've seen this movie, then maybe you remember this. He's climbing up a cliff on a rope, and from the top of the cliff, they cut the rope. When they look over the cliff, the rope had fallen... But Dread Pirate Roberts didn't fall. So Vicini, whenever he comes over to the cliff and he looks down, he sees that he's still there. He cries out his word, inconceivable. One of his henchmen named Anigo Montoya, who was a swordsman, says a phrase that's been repeated many times over. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Perhaps you noticed in our Scripture reading, we're considering the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Wouldn't you say that we talk about and mention the fruit of the Spirit pretty often? I know that there are posters hanging up in this church building right now that have the fruit of the Spirit printed on it. Every Wednesday night, before services, before Bible study, during Acorns to Oaks, our kids sing about what the fruit of the Spirit is and what the fruit of the Spirit isn't. Maybe you're humming that tune in your head right now. Maybe some of us even have the fruit of the Spirit memorized. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We talk about it a lot. We use it a lot. We mention it a lot. We see it a lot. Our kids sing about it a lot. We're surrounded by it in many ways in the Christian world. My question this morning is do we really understand what it means? Do you think it's possible that Anigo Montoya from Princess Bride could look at us and say, hey, you keep using that phrase. You keep talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but I do not think it means what you think it means. What is the fruit of the Spirit? If somebody were to ask you that question, how would you answer it? What would you say? How would you respond? What is the fruit of the Spirit? I believe that there are some Christians who view the fruit of the Spirit as a list of nine 
different fruits that we can pick and choose from. We evaluate ourselves, we look at our strengths and weaknesses, and from that list in Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23, we choose the characteristics that we need and we leave the rest for somebody else. You hear me mention Chick-fil-A a lot, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm going to mention it here. My love for Chick-fil-A goes all the way back to my childhood. My parents and I, my sister, would oftentimes go there. My sister would order the same thing every single time that we went. She would order chicken nuggets, which there's nothing wrong with that. The chicken chicken nuggets at Chick-fil-A are fine. But with her chicken nuggets, instead of getting french fries, she got a fruit cup. Now, to borrow a word that we just used from the Princess Bride, for me, that is inconceivable. And that, that, that just doesn't make sense. You don't go to Chick-fil-A to get a fruit cup. At least I don't go to Chick-fil-A to get a fruit cup. But then add on top of that, as she ate her fruit cup, she would eat every fruit in there except for the apples. If you've, if you've ever had a fruit cup from Chick-fil-A, you know that it's mostly made up of what? Apples. That's exactly right. And so she would eat everything in the cup. She would eat every single fruit in her fruit cup except for the apples and throw those away. I'm afraid that that's the way some Christians think about the fruit of the Spirit. Here's a list of nine different fruits and I can pick and choose. Here's a list of nine different fruits and I'm going to take the ones that I like and reject the ones that I don't like. I'm going to take the ones that I need based on my strengths and weaknesses, but then I'm going to set the rest to the side. It's a picture like this one. I think this picture perfectly illustrates that kind of thinking where you have one tree and on this one tree are nine different kinds of fruit and each fruit represents one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you were to go to this tree, you could pick the fruit that you want and leave the rest for everybody else. If you wanted an orange, then you could pick the orange. If you wanted the strawberry, the grapes, then you could pick those and leave the rest behind. But when you look at that picture, do you see anything that's a little bit off with that picture? See anything wrong with it? One tree is not capable of producing nine different fruits. Do you notice that? Some of those fruits, when you look at that picture, they don't even grow on a tree. One tree isn't capable of producing nine different fruits. You and I know one tree produces one type of fruit. And that's the way that I think we should consider and think about, live out the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not a list of nine different fruits that I can pick and choose from based on what I like and what I don't like. It's not a list of nine different fruits that I can pick and choose from based on the strengths and weaknesses that I have. The fruit of the Spirit are nine different parts that make up one fruit. I mean, look at Galatians 5 and verse 22. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, is it? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not plural. It's singular. Think about it like cutting open an orange. When you cut open an orange, it's divided into different parts, but all of those different parts make up one fruit. And that's how we should consider, that's how we should think about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a list of nine different fruits that I can pick and choose from. It is nine different parts that make up one fruit. We can't have a mindset that says, oh, you, you take love, joy, and peace, and I'll take kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. It doesn't work that way. Maybe we look at our lives and we think something like, you know, I'm, I'm reading through this list. I have some of those. 
Or I'm reading through this list. I have a majority of those. I have seven out of nine. And maybe those other two I need to work on just a little bit. If you have some of the fruit of the Spirit or you have a majority of the fruit of the Spirit, then you don't really have the fruit of the Spirit. These nine ideas cannot be divided. They cannot be separated from one another because they are nine parts that make up one whole. Nine different parts that make up one fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Perhaps there are Christians who think about the fruit of the Spirit as a list of nine different fruits, and I'm not sure that's the most accurate way to consider it. Maybe there are other Christians who think about the fruit of the Spirit as a simple self-improvement plan. Christians who read the fruit of the Spirit like they would read Dr. G's nine steps to a better life. Or Christians who read the fruit of the Spirit like eight steps to success. Here are the steps that I need to take to have a successful life. Well, when I look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, here are nine steps to be a better Christian. Here are nine steps to grow spiritually. Here are nine steps that I need to improve myself, to be more faithful, to be more dedicated as a follower of Jesus Christ. We think about the fruit of the Spirit as simply a self-improvement plan. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. When the fruit of the Spirit is a part of who we are, is it going to improve us? Is it going to benefit us? Is it going to make us more faithful? Is it going to make us more dedicated? Are we going to be able to draw closer to God? Absolutely. 100%. There's no doubt about that. The fruit of the Spirit will improve you as an individual. The fruit of the Spirit will improve your relationships, especially with God. The fruit of the Spirit will improve you as a Christian. But I also want to put the idea in front of you this morning that the fruit of the Spirit is more than just a simple self-improvement plan or self-improvement program. Jacob and I were talking about this idea last week whenever I was working through this text and thinking about this sermon, putting all of these different ideas together. And I want to share with you what he had to say about this. He said that it didn't have to quote him, but I'm going to quote him anyway. He said, when you view the fruit of the Spirit as a self-improvement plan, you are subtracting the Spirit from the fruit of the Spirit. And he's exactly right. That's exactly what we're doing when we think about it that way. When we view the fruit of the Spirit as just a way to get better and to improve ourselves, we are subtracting the Spirit from the fruit of the Spirit. This is not the fruit of Tyler. This is not the fruit of Jacob. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is not a fruit that you are capable. This is not a fruit that I'm capable of producing on my own. This fruit, this result only comes from the Holy Spirit of God. If I'm taking Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23 and I'm simply trying to improve myself based on my own strength, my own power, my own smarts, I'm going to fail every single time. And let me show you why that is. Here's a picture of what many people call the treadmill of self-improvement. Have you ever been on this treadmill before? You have something that you want to change about your life. Maybe you have something that you want to make better in your life. And so here are the steps that you take. You, you start by trying really hard. And you put a lot of effort into improving yourself and making yourself better in whatever area it is. And then when you try hard for a really long time, you start to get tired. You start to get fatigued. 
When you get too tired, when you get too fatigued, you're going to throw in the towel on it. This isn't worth all this effort. I'm going to quit. But then when you quit, you feel guilty about quitting. And so it starts all over again. Because I feel guilty about quitting, I'm going to try harder. And when I try harder, I get tired. When I get tired, I quit. When I quit, I feel guilty. And so that leads me to try harder. It's like a treadmill. You're putting a lot of effort into it. You're investing a lot of emotion and energy into it. But you're not getting anywhere. You're not actually moving forward. If we view the fruit of the Spirit as a simple self-improvement plan, this is going to be the cycle. This is going to be the treadmill that we find ourselves on. We're going to be investing a lot of effort. We're going to be putting in a lot of energy, physically, emotionally, psychologically, but we're not going to get anywhere. Because this isn't your fruit. It's not my fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't the fruit that you produce. This isn't the fruit that I produce. But when the Spirit is living within me, this is the fruit that He produces in my life you can't do this on your own if you want to live based on love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control you have to realize that you can't do it by yourself so what is the fruit of the spirit well we said it's not a list of nine different fruits we said it's not just a simple self-improvement plan if i had to give a definition for the fruit of the spirit here's what i would give The fruit of the Spirit is the visible result of a Spirit-empowered and a Spirit-directed life. If I had to assign a definition, if I had to give what I believe the fruit of the Spirit to be, it's the visible result of a Spirit-empowered and a Spirit-directed life. As we've been studying the Holy Spirit together over the last several weeks. I believe this is the eighth week that we've been involved in this study. We've seen some similar themes show up again and again. One of those themes is that we are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. As Paul prays in Ephesians 3 and 16, according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. We also have seen on several different occasions that we are to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10 talks about how certain things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. We find those things in the Word of God. God has inspired this book through the Spirit. God has revealed to us certain truths through the Spirit. And those truths, those principles are designed to direct our lives. To lead us in the kind of decisions that we make on a daily basis. We are to be empowered by the Spirit of God. We are to be directed by the Spirit of God. When we live that kind of life, Paul tells us there's going to be a visible result. I remember whenever I was working at Red Walnut Church of Christ in West Tennessee, we went to Rush at Fried Hardman University, which is designed for youth. We all decided to get in the van in some of our free time and drive to Walmart. We didn't go to Walmart because we needed anything. We went to Walmart because we wanted to play a little bit of hide-and-seek. I don't know if you've ever played hide-and-seek in Walmart before, but as you can imagine, with a group of teenagers, this didn't go well for very long. It started to go south pretty quickly, so we weren't there for very long, maybe 30, 45 minutes. We got back in the van and went back to Fried Hardman University. When we got back to Fried Hardman, there was a girl in the youth group most hyper I've ever seen a kid in my entire life. Literally, she was bouncing off the walls. One of the other girls in the youth group looked at her and asked, what is wrong with you? What's gotten into you? 
did you drink a Red Bull or something like that whenever we were at Walmart? And, and much to her surprise, the girl nodded her head yes. Apparently, while we were playing hide-and-seek, she had snuck away by herself and bought and drank not just one, but two Red Bulls. And that's what we had to put up with the rest of the night. This girl who asked her, she didn't see her drink the Red Bull. She didn't know that she drank the Red Bull. But the result was visible. You could see it. It was obvious. Honestly, it was a little bit unbearable. And, and, and the same thing is true here. When my life is empowered by the Spirit, when my life is directed by the Spirit, it's not going to be invisible. It's not going to be hidden. There's going to be a visible result when I live a Spirit-empowered and a Spirit-directed life. In other words, when people look at the way that I live, they're going to see there's something different about me. I have a character that not everybody has. I don't respond to things in the way that people would typically respond. When people look at our lives and we're living under the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God, they're going to be able to see it no problem without having to work too hard at all. So what is that visible result? Let's get really practical here for just a few minutes. What is the visible result of a Spirit-empowered and directed life? Well, that's what we're talking about here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. Whenever the Spirit is empowering me and directing my life, there's a certain fruit that He's going to produce. And notice the first part of that fruit is love. Love is the single greatest characteristic of the Christian life, wouldn't you say? That's what Scripture teaches us. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1-3, through if we don't have love, Paul says we are nothing. It doesn't matter what else we do. If we don't have love, Paul says we gain nothing. Why are we so involved in love? Why is that so important to us? 1 John 4 and verse 19 says that we love because He first loved us. We love God. We love others because we were loved first. How deep the Father's love for us as we sang just a few moments ago. That's what motivates us to love other people. Well, who, who are we supposed to love? Matthew 22 and verse 37, first and foremost, we love God with everything that we have, with all of our hearts, all of our soul, and all of our mind. We love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, just like Jesus loves us. John chapter 13 and verse 34, we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Each and every person that we meet on a daily basis, Scripture calls on us to love them just like we love ourselves. In fact, we even love our enemies. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, in what many ways is a summary statement, in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 14, Paul says, let all that you do be done in love. Love in the New Testament is not just a feeling or emotion that I have, it's an action word. It's acting in the best interest of the person who is standing in front of me. You might look at that and think, that's a tall order. I mean, really, that, that's who I'm supposed to be? Everything that I'm supposed to do is be, being done in love? I'm supposed to love each person that I interact with as I love myself? Even my enemies? Even those who hate me? Even those who, who have hurt me? That's a tall order. It's an impossible order if you try to do it on your own. But when the Spirit is empowering us, when the Spirit is directing our life, this is part of the visible result that's going to be obvious to everyone who we're surrounded by. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is joy. 
Even when we suffer, even when we encounter great difficulty in life, the Scriptures teach us that we can rejoice in the Lord always. Isn't it beautiful that our joy is not based on our circumstances? Our joy is not based on what we go through. Instead, it's rooted in our relationships with Jesus. And when that's the case, we can have joy all of the time, even in those moments that are most difficult. One of the defining characteristics of the kingdom of God in Romans 14 and 17, look at the very bottom there, is joy in the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit is living in me, when the Spirit is empowering me, when the Spirit is directing my life, the fruit, the visible result is going to be joy. You're not going to rejoice always if you're trying to do it on your own. But when the Spirit is living in you, empowering you, leading you, that's when joy is able to happen. The fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, is peace. Jesus Christ is the greatest peacemaker to ever exist. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now what? What are we supposed to do as children of God, sons of God, daughters of God? Matthew 5 and verse 9 calls on us to be peacemakers. Don't be a peace breaker. Peace faker or peace taker, be a peacemaker. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 9. That's what leads to a truly blessed life. Instead of stirring up strife, instead of stirring up hostility and conflict, Romans 12 and verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. When the Spirit is empowering me and directing my life, I'm able to actively seek peace in the relationships that I have. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, is patience. That's a compound word in the original Greek. The first word means a long time. The second word means angry. Now, it's not saying that you're going to be angry for a long time. It's saying you're going to take a long time to get angry. When the Spirit is empowering my life, I don't have a short fuse. I don't blow up at the drop of a hat. But instead, when the Spirit is directing me through the inspired Word, James 1 verses 19 and 20 says that I'm going to be slow to anger because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Romans 11 and verse 22 says that we are recipients of God's kindness. We have the responsibility to continue in God's kindness. I find it interesting in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 6 that kindness is listed right next to who? The Holy Spirit. I don't think that's a coincidence, do you? If I'm left on my own, I don't think I'm going to be nice to those who are not nice to me. But when the fruit of the Spirit is living within me, strengthening me, leading me, directing me, I'm able to be kind even to people who are not kind to me. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness, Paul says. We are to be filled with goodness. Romans 15 and verse 14. You picture taking a glass and filling it all the way to the top with water. We are to be filled with goodness. Well, what does that practically look like? Galatians 6 and verse 10. As we have opportunities, we do good to everybody. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Jesus talks about two different kinds of people. In Matthew 12 and verse 35, He says the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Which side of that do you fall on? Which side of that do I fall on? If I'm standing on my own two feet, I'm going to go towards the ladder. 
I'm going to be that evil person who has an evil treasure and brings forth evil. I can't be good on my own. But what about when the Spirit is empowering my life, directing my life? Oh, it's a completely different story in verse 35. Then I'm able to be that good person. We aren't good people on our own. We are only good people because we have been changed and transformed by the Spirit of God. We become that good person who has a good treasure and brings forth good things in their lives. At the end of verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. In this context, that word is not being used to describe our faithfulness to God. Instead, it's being used to describe our faithfulness to our words. When you make a promise, you're going to keep it. When you make a commitment, you're going to see it through to the very end. You're going to be faithful to the things that you say. One thing that we should love about our God in Psalms 117 and verse 2 is that His faithfulness endures forever. It's a reason that we praise Him. Another psalm we sang just a second ago, that's why we praise Him. One of the reasons we should praise Him is because He is a faithful God. When He makes a promise, we can rely on that promise. When He says something, we know that it's going to happen. Why? Because He's faithful to the words that come from His mouth. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says that we're to be imitators of God as dear children, beloved children. What does that mean? If we serve a God who is faithful, doesn't that mean that we're supposed to be faithful? People should be able to trust what we say. People should be able to trust the promises that we make. When we make a commitment, people should expect honesty and they should expect follow through. That's the kind of reputation that we should have. Not because we're doing it on our own strength but because we're doing it based on the strength that the Holy Spirit provides. This is a part of the fruit that only He can produce in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, verse 23, is gentleness. To my knowledge, there's one passage in the entire Bible, one verse that describes the heart of Jesus Christ. You know what it is? Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 29, Jesus Himself says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. What does the Holy Spirit enable us to do? The Holy Spirit enables us to live out the heart of Jesus as we interact with people on a daily basis. It's not just about what we do, it's about why we do it. It's not just about what we do, it's about how we go about doing it. It's not just about what you say, it's about how you say it. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be gentle. That's the fruit that He produces. And then verse 23, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever struggle with controlling yourself, the way you speak, the things you do, even how you think? In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about athletes. He's using the backdrop of the Isthmian games, but this continues to be true even in our world today. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. What's the motivation? They do it to receive a perishable wreath. Athletes, even today, they exercise self-control in every area of their lives. Because they want to receive a temporary or perishable reward. What do we have waiting for us as Christians? What kind of reward do we have our eyes set on? It's an imperishable reward. It's eternal. It's incorruptible. Reserved for us in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 4. So what are we supposed to do? If athletes exercise self-control in all things to just get a temporary reward, we have a permanent reward in front of us. How much more should we exercise self-control in all things? Not based on our own strength, but based on the power of the Spirit. We should seek to be self-controlled in everything that we do. Self-controlled in how we respond to other people. 
Self-controlled in what we say and how we think. Self-controlled whenever it comes to sexual temptations. Self-controlled when it comes to what we participate in, what we involve ourselves in, the places that we go. The Holy Spirit enables us to do these things. It's the visible result of a Spirit-empowered and a Spirit-directed life. What does it look like practically? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit a lot. Do we truly understand what it means? I want to be the first to admit, I don't think I've always understood the fruit of the Spirit like I should. There have been times where I've thought about the fruit of the Spirit as, as a list of nine different fruits, and whatever was convenient for me, that's what I was going to pick. Based on my strengths and weaknesses, here's the ones that I need, but I don't really need these other ones over here. I've been guilty of dividing up the fruit of the Spirit. What about you? There have been times in my life when I've read Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, and I've thought, I just need to do better. I need to improve myself based on my strength and my power, my smarts in all of these different areas, and it really didn't turn out too well for me. Have you ever been there? I think it's a whole lot better if we view the fruit of the Spirit as the way it was originally intended. This is the visible result of a Spirit-empowered and a Spirit-directed life. So we come to the end of this study and we ask ourselves, what is this text requiring of us? Let me tell you what this text is not asking of you. This text is not asking you to evaluate yourself, to evaluate your strengths and weaknesses, and to pick and choose from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. This text is not speaking to you this morning saying, just do better. Just improve yourself in all these different areas and you'll be fine. What this text is ultimately asking you to do is to intentionally place your life under the control, the direction, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. We can't do this by ourselves. You want to live a life that's defined by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? We can't do that on our own. We can't do that based on our own power. Maybe you've experienced the fact when you try to do that on your own, you're going to fall on your face. You're going to fail every single time. It's not my fruit. It's not your fruit. It's the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And so let's do this morning what this text is asking us to do. To place our lives under the Spirit's control. To place our lives under the Spirit's empowerment. It's amazing to see what He can do in our lives. It's amazing to see the change and the transformation that He can bring about. It's amazing to see, Galatians 5, the fruit that only He can produce. You're not going to get here by working hard. You're going to get here by yielding everything that you have to the Holy Spirit. Are you ready to take that next step by faith? Think about that question as together we stand and sing.